today on the Hill, I have an advocate, a student leader, a Princeton undergraduate, Storm Stokes. Storm currently attends Princeton University and went to Farmington Hill High School. She was involved in numerous efforts to reach and educate students of different social identities, as well as hosted and facilitated a conference for breakout dialogues discussing social justice issues and using dancing to further communicate social issues. First of all, congratulations on your first year. I hope you enjoyed it. Have you been? Thank you. Thank you. I've been pretty well, just adjusting to dorm life, being on campus, and also adjusting as a first year. So to new classes and different learning styles, but overall really excited and really grateful to be on campus. All right. And the audience might want to know, what are you majoring in right now? I am honestly still exploring, but prospective sociology major. I'm looking at classics and Hellenic studies as well, but I should know by the end of next year. So. No, you're fine. Everybody gets to that point to where they don't know where they want to be in college. Speaking of college, what university do you attend? I attend Princeton University. <laughs> I'm very excited about that. And would you say there's a difference between your high school experience and your college experience? Are those experiences drawn from being a woman of color or just a different overall experience? Yeah, I definitely would say it's quite a different experience for several reasons. I think COVID's impact has definitely made quite a prominent difference just because the virtual setting, transitioning to new learning styles and a different depth of material through a virtual setting has been quite interesting. But I think my experience changing as a woman of color or because I'm a woman of color, I think mostly has changed now that I feel like I'm in a less diverse environment. It might not be accurate according to to the like um, statistics for the university. It's not that much different than my high school, but it feels like it. So carrying the knowledge that I might be one of the first, you know, black women that some of my classmates have interacted with, especially in an academic setting. I think it makes my experience a little bit different because I carry a little bit of an extra pressure sometimes. Obviously wanting to represent the community well and then selfishly wanting to represent myself well as well. So and in not being subjected to different biases and stereotypes that other individuals have. But yes, certainly very different. Yeah, I can really resonate with you about feeling pressure from the community to do well. Because you want to present yourself as professional as possible, but yet stay true to yourself and your values. And it's kind of hard when someone has already their own bias and views about you. And you kind of have to talk with them and kind of like have that dialogue about how to break those views of you and really show you as a character. And how's your overall experience been at Princeton? I think pretty good. Again, the transition was a little bit interesting and the online experience definitely hasn't been all positive. But I think overall, I'm honestly incredibly grateful to be an institution with the number of resources that I have and opportunities that some have started now and, you know, some are postponed because of COVID. I would say overall pretty good. That's good. Now, do you have to seek out other women of color at Princeton? Are they there? Are they present? Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. I am really grateful to have been added to some group chats before school started, um, just due to the virtual setting, like the Black Student Union and a couple of other groups that included a lot of women of color. And that 
really centered me and allowed me to feel like, wow, there is a community of women of color on campus that you don't see through other avenues and through university-sponsored events. However, in the day-to-day experience, you know, when those organizations aren't having events and within classes, I certainly do feel like I have to seek out other women of color. And in the virtual setting, certainly has made it more difficult to communicate with classmates that I do have. So even women of color who are in class, um, it's harder to talk to them outside of class, obviously, just because of, you know, COVID barriers. So I do feel like I am straining a little bit just to, you know, create solid connections with other women of color. But again, I'm grateful to know that they do exist. Um, I think that's something that doesn't exist everywhere. And I know that for a lot of my friends who have like talked to me about it, they're like, oh, it's, it's a little bit difficult to reach out and to try and establish those communities if they don't already exist. They're student organizations. But I think I still should do a better job of <laughs> trying to reach out to more women of color, even in the circles and communities that I'm in so far. Right. And yeah, do you feel like it should be your responsibility to do that or the university? to go and seek out, to make sure that women of color occupy these spaces? I think in some part, it's the responsibility of the university to ensure that women of color occupy these spaces, especially when dealing with a diverse group of students from different backgrounds, making sure that there's adequate representation. One thing that we discuss a lot is first years in workshops or, you know, anything else is the concept of imposter syndrome that most first years go through, especially in Ivy League institutions or even in not Ivy League institutions, just um, students of color and women of color, it's just really natural. So I think it's definitely on the university in some regard to ensure that there's representation so that students experiencing those things have someone not only to look up to and say, well, yes, it's possible. Um, No, I don't not fit here. Um, But also making sure that there are individuals and representatives who are willing to talk to students as well. And I am grateful to say that like, my director of student life is a woman of color and the dean of students for my particular college is a woman of color, which is quite unique in the university itself. So I'm grateful to have had that and I commend Princeton on that end. But I definitely do believe there's even more, many more spaces <laughs> to occupy with women of color that I hope the university chooses to pursue in the future. And yes, Storm, I hear you're an advocate. Please tell us some issues that you're passionate about. I was incredibly passionate about intergroup relations, especially in regards to race relations. That's how I know you, (laughs) for instance, (laughs) relations. But specifically, um, I grew up in a predominantly white elementary and middle school and learning to create relationships with people of other races for me was always a necessity. I didn't grow up in an environment that was predominantly people of color, even diverse people of color. Um, I didn't enter that environment until high school. So I've always been incredibly passionate about creating bridges in relationships and also intergroup dialogue education. And that's the the method by which I chose um, to go about doing that. Really just to, to create a safe space for individuals to share their differences and to learn from one another. And I also am really passionate about the dance arts, which is a little bit of a tangent there, but I have used the dance arts to communicate different social messages and social issues um, that are passionate to me and dear to my heart. And I also believe that the dance arts specifically, they tend to be limited to particular social groups. It's typically reserved for more privileged 
households who can afford the fees and things that go with that. And I've been privileged enough to have that opportunity, but sharing the dance arts with underserved communities, it's also something that I'm really interested in and passionate about and have been blessed enough to be able to engage in, in the past to try and bridge another gap and to provide new opportunities for students. And what do you say to the naysayer that will say, you're going to Princeton, you have nothing to complain about? What do you say to that? Well, I think that's an interesting phenomenon, this concept that, oh, you have attained some privileged seat in society, therefore you as a person of color don't have any grounds to explain your experiences. And I think first I would change the word complain, right? I'm elucidating my experiences. I'm not complaining about anything. I am simply describing the life in which I am living, right? And I think going back to this concept of being in a position of privilege, I think quite plainly I could say we've had a Black president in the United States and Black people are still murdered without justice, right? Me as a single Black person attaining a position of privilege, so to speak, is incredible. And I am incredibly grateful for my experience. And I, as a Black person, do have privilege, but I am a single Black person. And my privilege and my experience doesn't undermine a single experience of any other Black person, right? Or any other person of color, any other woman of color, any other first-in or low socioeconomic student. Me being able to attain that doesn't undermine their experiences at all. And then in addition to that, yes, I have made it to what I'd like to say, arguably one of the best institutions in the country, right? But one of the whitest institutions in the country, an institution whose history is based on exploiting people of color. So there are still different systems and structures that exist within the university that continue to exploit people of color, you know, um, not maybe intentionally, but they do. We still have professors who have been here for years and years and years. There was a professor a couple of weeks ago called students supporting Black Lives Matter terrorists and was barely reprimanded by the university, right? So yes, I've been here, but also we have to acknowledge that my experience here is still going to be impacted by a majority white paradigm, right? This concept that I am still a minority and I still am subject to particular biases and implicit or explicit from staff, from professors, and even from students who have lived a very sheltered and privileged life and have not had the opportunity, kind of as I mentioned earlier, to interact with students of color and women of color. I might be their first interactions in an academic perspective with a, as, you know, as a woman of color, right? So dealing with all of those different dynamics, from an interpersonal perspective, I'm still subject to some things despite my privilege and despite my ability to be here. Yeah, I can really feel on that pressure part because I have met individuals who are who went to, of course, primary white schools, white institutions, and it's just so hard to break that perception of that false perception that's in the media, that's in our institutions, that's in our history books of being of this aggressive narrative of Black people. And I kind of have to shift my tone all the time and watch what I say. That involves me code switching, of course, to white my white counterparts in order to make sure that they have a positive experience with me. But what I'm coming to realize is that I'm not in charge of what they 
CBS, but I'm also, I am in charge of how I order my actions. If they see me, if they want to see me as being and aggressive when I'm not aggressive, that's just ignorance. That's just you being ignorance to the far. So I really do commend you for just being and occupying this space and with so much pressure, so much systematic inequities and prohibiting people of color in this space and women of color in this space. So I just really do commend you. And I would just like to say, what would you like to say to people of color or women of color who are trying to pursue an Ivy League? Mm-hmm. Go for it. I think often women of color specifically, especially those that I've talked to, including myself, have been kind of apprehensive to even apply. There's this this pressure of inadequacy and this question of worth and this question of, am I good enough? And even past, am I good enough? I think for me, I reached a point. Unfortunately, it took me until my senior year of high school to even get to this point of, okay, well, am I? I'm capable, yes. But will I like it? here? Will I want to go to a space where I may have to fight to exist essentially because of my identity every single day? If that's a possibility for me, is that even what I want? And I would encourage those students who know that they're capable of doing this, but are hesitant and maybe are exploring HBCUs or other institutions that would allow them to be in more diverse environments. I would just encourage them to seek out the diversity within the university of their choice, right? Um, you know, Princeton, for instance, is one of the most diverse Ivy League specifically. That was one reason that I was attracted to Princeton because of that. So if those are some of your hesitancies and your concerns, I would just say seek it out. I've got a lot online and reach out if you can to students who are there, specifically students of color and students who can relate with your social identities. It doesn't seem that they're very open at first, but a lot of us are really, really open and would absolutely love to share our experiences. And I had some upperclassmen share with me that made me feel a lot more comfortable and, hey, girl, like get a part, get in this organization, get in this organization to help you connect with those individuals and to really make a place for yourself here, here at Princeton or anywhere. But I think that's probably what I would recommend. And, and if I could emphasize, go for it. Just try it, please. <laughs> You may surprise yourself. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much, Dawn. Is there anything else you want to say to our audience? I think something that you said uh, a while ago about pressure just made me circle back to this concept of being yourself as an individual. And that's something that either the college admissions process, after the college admissions process, as a student, as an individual, is something that I feel it's really heavy on my heart all the time that I always want to encourage others and other students, especially at this time in our lives, is just be authentically who you are. And yes, this is a time to explore and figure who that person is, like figure out who that is. Yes. But but once you start to get pieces of that, I can't emphasize enough how important it is to be who you are in whatever space that you're in and know that that is valuable. Specifically as a person of color, it's definitely applicable to non-people of color as well. Be yourself, be authentically yourself, and that's going to carry you where you want to be in life. All right. Thank you so much, Storm, for your voice, your experiences. Um, you just really resonated with us, and we'd like to thank you on the Hill for being on this podcast. Thank you for having me.